It's good to be with you this morning. You know, I'm a little bit of a sleepy head. It's kind of hard for me to wake up in the morning. It's a little easier now that I'm older, but when I was your age and when I was a teenager, it was really hard to get me out of bed. I remember my mom coming in on a school morning and gently shaking me and then not so gently trying to get me to get out of the bed. Sometimes my sister would come in and poke me a few times. Eventually I'd stumble into the kitchen and I'd sit down on the floor right where there was a heating vent because I was cold. And I'd put my hands in front of the heating vent and lean my head against the cabinet and go back to sleep. But I was really glad that my mom was there and that my sister was there and sometimes my even, even my dog was there to jump on the bed and lick my nose and wake me up because I needed to go to school. It was the right thing. It was what I was supposed to do. Sometimes even Jesus got tired. In our scripture reading this morning, I think Jesus was a bit tired and he was trying to go away and rest for a little while. But then a woman came along and started asking him for help. And she was standing in the middle of the street shouting and shouting and she wouldn't be quiet. And finally she came and threw herself at Jesus' feet and asked him for help. And at first, he wasn't that interested in helping. He seemed kind of tired. But then by the end of the story, he hears her and he has compassion for her. He loves her. And so he gives her what she's asking for. He heals her daughter. I think at the end of the day, Jesus was glad that that woman was persistent, that she didn't give up, that she kept asking so that he could do the right thing and help her. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, one of the things that I love so much about you is that you were a human being just like we are human beings. And sometimes you got tired as we get tired. And yet always you set an example for us. So help us to wake up, to pay attention to the needs of other people. Help us to do the right thing, even if we're tired, even if we're reluctant. And thank you for healing that woman's daughter, and thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. This story of the Canaanite woman was the first story I ever preached as an ordained pastor. I had been appointed to my home church, Brentwood United Methodist Church, the church where I grew up, the church where my parents were still active members. So every time I got to preach at Brentwood, which wasn't that often, but was good enough practice for me, my parents were sitting out in the congregation. No pressure. Every time I would preach, the night before, my mom would call me and say, what are you going to preach on? See, she, she was a bit of a worrier, and she was afraid that I was going to say something that was going to make somebody mad or upset somebody, and she just wanted to make sure that, that I didn't get into any kind of trouble. And so here's my first sermon on this really challenging text about Jesus and the Canaanite woman, and my mom calls and says, so, what are you going to preach on tomorrow? 
And I said, well, mom, I think I'm going to wrestle with why Jesus is so rude to this woman. And she said, oh, you can't say Jesus is rude. Jesus was never rude. He was always nice. <laughs> like, mm, Jesus was not always nice. He was challenging a lot of the time, especially to Pharisees and to people with power. But I have to confess, I don't know what's going on with Jesus in this story. I don't know why he treats this woman the way he does. One theory is that he is tired. He has spent his ministry in and around the Galilee among the Jewish people. And it's gotten to the point, as we find in Matthew's gospel, that he has thousands of people thronging him all the time, reaching out to touch his robes. He never gets a break. And so at the beginning of this text, he goes way away to Tyre and Sidon, which we know is Gentile territory, far away from the Jewish people, far away from the Galilee. And I think he's trying to get some rest and to get away. And so you can only imagine, you know how it feels? You've gone on vacation or you're taking a day off and your phone rings or you get a bunch of emails and people are still asking things of you and we don't always respond well to that. And here Jesus is trying to get away and there's a woman yelling in the street, son of David, help me, help me. It could be that Jesus is very focused on his mission. His first reaction to the woman is to ignore her. It's hard to believe that Jesus would do that, isn't it? But Matthew says he did not respond in any way at all. But his second response is something he says to his disciples, I came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He understands his mission really to be for the people of Israel. He is their Messiah. He wants to show them the way and show them what God is doing through him. And then after his death and resurrection, salvation will be offered to all people and the Gentiles will be included. But in his short, limited human life, his mission is for the people of Israel. And here this woman who's shouting out is a Gentile. And he's in Gentile territory. And so maybe he just needs to focus on his mission. Or it may be, some interpreters suggest, that Jesus knows all along what he's going to do. He knows that he's going to heal this woman, this woman's daughter. But that he plays this part in order to teach his disciples a lesson. We see the disciples in the story. They just want her to be quiet. They want to shut her down. Please send her away. That's what the disciples always seem to be doing. A couple of weeks ago when the crowds were hungry, they said, send them away so they can go get food. When the children were thronging to Jesus, the disciples said, send them away. And this is no exception. Please send her away. She keeps shouting after us. And it could be that Jesus plays this part and has this dialogue with this woman so that his disciples can overhear and that they will learn that the Gentiles too are included in God's great plan of salvation. But none of that's really clear in the story. We don't really know what's going on 
with Jesus. We know pretty clearly what's going on with the disciples. They want nothing to do with her. They want her to be quiet. She's irritating, embarrassing, shrill, go away. And we know what's going on with this woman. Her daughter is possessed by a demon. And she will stop at nothing to find healing for her daughter. She is not afraid or ashamed to stand out in the middle of the street and make a fool of herself, to shout and protest and beg and cry out. She is willing to call Jesus by his Jewish title, Son of David. Somewhere along the way, she's heard of Jesus. She knows that he's a healer. She, she knows that he is the Jewish Messiah, and she's willing to call him that and call out after him until she gets his attention. She's even willing to throw herself at Jesus' feet and to beg for help. She's even willing to keep at his feet when he insults her. He says to her, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Sounds like an insult to me. And yet she takes that insult and turns it around and says, yes, but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Revealing that she sees him as her Lord and that she's willing to take whatever falls from the table, whatever he will give her. And through that interchange, Jesus sees her faith. Jesus sees that she believes he has the power and the compassion to heal her daughter, even though she is a total outsider in every way. And so he says to her, woman, great is your faith. Sort of contrast that with a couple of weeks ago, last week actually, when Peter had trouble walking on the water and Jesus said, you of little faith. And now here is this woman with great faith. I hear the story of this Canaanite woman, and I can't help but think about a family that joined a church I was serving years ago. She and her son joined the church. And shortly after they joined, the, the staff of the church began to hear from her on a pretty regular basis. She had some complaints about Sunday school. And at first, we responded to those complaints like the disciples. Oh, I wish she would just stop complaining. I wish she would just be quiet about all of this. But see, the situation was that her, her son had special needs. And what he was experiencing in Sunday school was exclusion. The teachers had good intentions, but, but they didn't know how to work with him. And they just thought it was okay just to let him be in the classroom. But they didn't engage with him. And they didn't know how. And at first, we just had this sense of, well, this, we just, we're limited. This, our mission is limited. We can't learn how to do these things. We're not a big enough church to do that. But through her persistence and her persistence and her resistance and her willingness not to give up, but to keep on us until we heard her and her son, she educated us. 
She expanded our understanding. She helped us get training. She helped those teachers so that we could be a church that didn't just say everybody was welcome, but that showed through our willingness to learn and be curious and work at it that we really wanted every child to have a place in that Sunday school room. And we wanted everybody to have access to the scriptures and to worship. Hearing the story of the Canaanite woman makes me think about those brave, courageous women, those suffragettes who worked so hard to get the 19th Amendment passed. You may know we celebrated the 100th anniversary of the passage of the 19th Amendment this week. Our own Mac Perkle, who's behind our cameras this morning, helped produce an event on the floor of the legislature that was a reenactment of that vote 100 years ago. And I hope if you haven't watched it yet, that you will take the time to watch it. I was so astounded at, at those legislators who stood up and said, the representative from Wayne County votes no. The representative from Dyer County votes no. All of those who, like the disciples, just wanted to limit those who could be at the table and felt that it was right. And I was so moved by seeing all of those women, black and white, standing up in the balcony. Those who had stood out in the streets and yelled and protested and told their stories and asked and begged for the right to vote. And it almost didn't happen. But finally, by one vote, the legislature made room at the table for more. And of course, women of color and men of color had to continue to fight for that right and are still continuing to fight for that right of access to the voting booth. That is why even today, we hear the voices of those who are out in the streets telling their pain, sharing their stories, saying, we don't have access to the table. And if you're like me, sometimes I'm more like the disciples, wishing that they would just accept the way things are, just be quiet and go away. It reminds me of those voices within our own denomination even though we say all people are loved and everybody's welcome and is of sacred worth, there are still members of our church who don't have full access to the table, who cannot have their marriages blessed in their home church sanctuary, cannot pursue the call to ordained ministry. And their voices cry out, and it's so easy to just want to keep the status quo and to, to blame those voices for being too loud and for distracting everybody. When the truth is, theirs are the voices that can help us live out the gospel and expand the table to all people. This moment when Jesus heals this Canaanite woman shifted his mission and changed the world forever. So who are you in this story? Are you one who is crying out to be heard, to be seen, to have a place at the table? 
then find your inspiration and your hope in this persistent Canaanite woman and in Jesus who heard her and had compassion for her and welcomed her. Maybe like me, you're more like the disciples who are more hesitant to make room. May we bear witness to this conversation between Jesus and this Canaanite woman. And may we see in Jesus' act of compassion and healing that nobody should be under the table picking up crumbs. Everybody has a place at the table. And maybe my job is to move over and make room. Amen.